So this morning, this is going to be the last, uh, the last topic of our series on grace. How many of you have been blessed with the series on grace that we have for the past three Sundays? Amen. So grace, what is grace? Not sister grace. Grace is the grace of God and it is an unmerited favor. Father, we thank you this morning. Indeed, your, your, your presence is here. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you will prepare our hearts as we listen to your words. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, so we've been talking about the evidence and once we experience the grace of God, we're saying that the evidence of us having that grace should be seen in our lives. And last Sunday, we talked about why work. How many of you enjoyed last week's work? A few hands. You know what? I did. I did. But, uh, you know, I'm, I know that I'm speaking this, this Sunday, and all of a sudden, I had a Saturday work. And I have to be in the office at all 400 hours. Okay, so have to wake up early and then I'll be facing again the giants at work but you know what the joy of the Lord gave me the strength the joy of the Lord gave me that grace to persevere the joy of the Lord was there the grace of God for me to be able to extend patience the joy of the Lord was there to uh, know to face all the trials in fact one of my office mates we were talking the other day and you know he was making some reclaim in short some reclamo he was complaining about things in the office blah blah so on so forth the politics etc and then he was telling me to be more aggressive with the boss so you know he he attends a church somewhere there okay uh, as he is very aggressive with the boss. You know what? Sometimes they would yell at each other, and he was encouraging me to do that too. So I said it otherwise. And you know, in the end of our conversation, you know what? The bottom line, I think I can see Christ in you. People around us will see the difference if we have experienced the grace of God. We don't have to conform to the pattern of this world but we have to allow our minds to be transformed by what the Word of God says. And the grace of God has really helped me go through the difficulties at work. Last Sunday, we have talked about the grace of God or the common grace of God being given to everybody. Whether you are a Christian, you're not a Christian, you experience the common grace of God. And in the same token, God is offering to everybody that saving grace. What is that saving grace? The grace that will set us free from the bondage of sin. The grace that will set us free from, from our old life. The grace that will transfer us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. That is the saving grace. And the only, the only uh, time that we can experience and enjoy the grace of God is if we receive 
that free gift that God has given us, as says in Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It is the what? It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So it is the free gift given to you and to me. We have nothing to do with our salvation. Even though you work, 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 you cannot earn your salvation because salvation is the free gift of God. No matter where you came from, no matter what your background is or are, no matter whether you are Filipino, an American, a Chinese, God loves you just the same. And God sent His Son to die in your place so that we will experience that salvation. And as we move on, we become a Christian. God impresses upon our hearts and calls us to certain offices in the body of Christ. And some of us are even called to become ambassadors of Christ in our marketplaces. And as we move on, God is going to shower us with what we call the enabling grace of God. The enabling grace of God is what makes us excellent in the marketplace. The enabling grace of God is the gift of God so that we are able to do things that, you know, we don't do before. Okay, some people would equate it to talent. It's not a talent because even your talent comes from the Lord. Because the Word of God says it is He who gives you the power to acquire wealth. Nobody else. Even if you say you're the... the, the, the the most industrious or the most talented person in, in, in the universe. No, it still comes from God. Because, because God can always say, I will end this life and you're nothing. Amen? Amen. And, and as we go through this process, God wants us to receive that grace by faith. Okay, it is faith that enables us to receive the grace of God. And God wants us to grow in the grace of Jesus Christ. Okay, and, and it is my prayer, it is my desire that all of us will grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And grace and faith comes by what? By hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. And it is my prayer, it is my desire that all of us, all through this week, we will spend really time to hear from God. How do we hear from God? We hear from God through reading the Bible. We hear the word. We 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 hear uh, we hear the word of God by being still. The Bible says, "Be still and know that I am God." Because sometimes, if we come still before the Lord, the Lord speaks to us. And faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. Nothing else. Amen. So this morning, this is going to be the last series of our topic on, on grace. I mentioned before that love going down is grace, and love going up is worship. What is worship? You know, uh, in some churches, okay, it's not in CCF. People come to church late. Yeah. Don't tell this to them. They come to church late because they don't want to attend the praise and worship. Yeah, seriously. Not in CCF, huh? Yeah, they come to church and late. Normally, they arrive during the benediction. 
Okay? During the end of the service. Oh, it's not in CCF anyway. So, it's, it's in the other church. Okay? Why? Because a lot of people has not valued worship. Some people value the preaching of the word. But you know, few people valued worship. And this morning we will talk about worship. Not only singing to God as a form of worship, but traditionally there are five acts of worship. You have preaching, prayer, participating in the Lord's Supper, singing, and giving of our tithes and our offering. This morning we will only focus on the two, which is giving and singing. Because if we deal with the five, probably we will not finish this Sunday. Okay, so worship. What is worship? Let's open our Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 36, chapter 7, I'm sorry. We'll start reading from verse 36 down through verse 50. I hear some Bibles being opened. That's good. Luke chapter 7. Start reading from verse 36 to verse 50. We will flash NIV version on the screen. Okay, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in the town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not 
oil on my head, but she has poured, poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sin? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Did you follow the story? Jesus entered into the house of a Pharisee and he had dinner with them. You know, one of the things that I really love with the Lord is that no matter who we are, Jesus is very interested in the affairs of our lives. And Jesus is never picks on people. But even though the Pharisee was a sinner, Jesus mingled with them. And in fact, the story tells us that there was this woman who was sinful. It has been known in the town that she's a sinful woman. Everybody knew. Now, some scholars would say that she is a prostitute. Okay, but the Bible is silent about it. But it says that she was a sinful woman. Probably very dirty in the eyes of the Jewish people. But despite of that, Jesus entertained her. And as you can see, when Jesus entered the house of Simon or that Pharisee, that woman started to weep, to cry, and washed the feet of Jesus with her tears and dried it with what? With her hair. Imagine what's going on. In front of so many people, there is this woman. She threw herself at the feet of Jesus. She has experienced the grace of God. And what was her response? She started to worship Jesus. So worship is a response once we experience the absolute forgiveness of our sins, once we experience the absolute grace of God. And in fact, when she did that, the people around her were, were questioning, if Jesus knew that this woman is sinful, I don't think she will allow that to happen. Some of us may think, oh, it's overacting. That's too much. Right? That's too much. But you know, this woman, she never thought of, you know, it's too much or what. All she knew is that I have been forgiven. I have experienced the grace of God. And all I want to do is worship Jesus. You see the attitude of this woman? You know, when we got saved, when Christ set us free from the bandage of darkness, all we say is, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And we begin to worship God, just like this woman. And then Jesus continued on to say, you know, there were two people who had debts or utang. One owed the moneylender 50,000 denarii. Was it 50,000? 
and the other one is only 50. And Jesus asked Simon, who do you think between the two persons will love more? And Simon said, the one who has been forgiven more. You know what? If we realize how sinful we are, if we realize how wretched we are, if we realize how much the Lord has forgiven or has cleansed us, we will begin to love Jesus more and more and more and more. However, if we think that we are righteous, if we feel that we have not done anybody wrong, I don't think we will worship Jesus that way. Because self-righteous people, these are the people who least experience the grace of God. Why? Because they think that I can do it on my own. But once we realize that the creator of heaven and earth has stooped down, showered his grace upon us, and picked us up from the miry clay, transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, the only way for you to respond is to love Jesus more and more and more and more and worship him. So worship, what is worship? Worship is simply our response to what God has done in our lives. Worship is simply our response to God's grace. You know, in the Old Testament, even the time of Adam, even before Adam, before the foundations of this world, the Bible tells us that God created Lucifer. He created the angels for one single purpose, and that is to worship him. However, Lucifer, because of pride, because of rebellion, he sinned before God, and God, together with the two-thirds of the angels, threw them out of heaven. That's why we have Satan, we have the devil. And in the time of Adam, remember Cain and Abel, they started to offer sacrifices. In the olden days, worship or sacrifice is part of their worship. From time immemorial, worship has been or was initiated by God. Even if you look at the covenant of God with Noah, the covenant of God with Abraham, we can see that there are sacrifices made. In fact, the Bible would tell us that they built an altar before the Lord. When they built an altar before the Lord, they offered their sacrifices. And that sacrifices, more often than not, these are slain or animals. Normally, the first fruit of what they have earned. The first fruit of, what, of, of the blessings that they have. And these are the sacrifices that were, that were done. And this is part of their worship. In the, Musawi, in the Mosaic Covenant, when God handed down the law to Moses, God specifically instructed Moses to build him a tabernacle. What is the tabernacle? Tabernacle is simply a place where everybody can come together and worship. It is simply a place where they can offer their sacrifices before God. It is a, simply a place where they can bring the animals and offer it and bring it into the presence of God. 
It is simply a place where they can bring their sacrifices for the forgiveness of their sins. And during those days, when they enter into that court, into that, into that tabernacle, only the, pe the people stay outside of the tabernacle. It's only the high priest that go in. And in fact, when the high priest go inside into the Holy of Holies, there's a bell on their, on their clothes because the high priests are expected to be clean when, when they enter that, the, that, that holy place. And if they're not clean, if they have sin in their lives, they fall dead inside that tabernacle and they just pull the high priest out. That's how they worship before. And after Moses came David. David made some changes in the way that they worship as, as what they have experienced when they go into battle. David started to dance before the Lord. David started to sing before the Lord. During the time of Moses, what they have are liturgies. You know what liturgies is? That's after letter H. Okay? Okay? So they have liturgies. They sing. They sing and then the people would respond. Oh, pag sinulat niyo yan sa Facebook, lagay niyo naman pangalan ko, ha? <laughs> okay. So they have responsorial psalm before. That's why nauso yung and the Lord be with you and everybody answers and also with you. That's how they worship God before. And during those times, they know God by God's attribute and they worship Him on the basis of God's attribute. And in fact, they would say, O oh Lord God, the God of Abraham, the God of our forefathers, the creator of heaven and earth, etc., so on and so forth. That's how they worship. But David made a radical change in the way that they worship. David stripped off his clothes, his kingly clothes, okay, and he danced before God. He sang praises to God. And when he is alone with the sheep, in the wilderness, David would play his harp and worship God. And the Bible says that David would sing new songs. You know, I was, I was meditating on new songs. Lord, what is new song? Does that mean that every day David would have a different song? Probably not. But new songs here would signify David have experienced newness of God's mercy. The Bible says that the mercy of the Lord never ceases and it is renewed every morning. Because David always experiences the new mercies coming from the Lord and every time he experiences that mercy, he would sing a new song to the Lord. He would sing a new song. But I believe with all my heart that worship is not limited to singing. Because for people like me, who sing like a tractor, I don't think singing would be that good. Uttering praises to God is a form of worship. You know, what's the difference between praise 
and worship. Praise, when we talk of praise, what comes to your mind? Mabilis, fast, right? And we talk of worship, what comes to your mind? Mabagal. Am I, am I talking sense? That's what I understand when I was a kid. But you know what? Praise is proclaiming what God has done in your lives. Whereas worship is proclaiming who God is. Example, praise. I praise God because I had an accident and God has saved me or protected me. That is a praise. But when you look at your wallet and you don't have money and then you can still say, God, you are my Jehovah. You are my El Shaddai. You are my Jehovah Jireh. That is worship. Worship is speaking out. Worship is saying or singing the attributes of God and who God is in your lives. You know, one of the things that that comes to me when, you know, you know, Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. That's why we have the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, right? I was asking that. These disciples know how to pray, but why is it that Jesus still taught them how to pray? You know what the Lord told me? In the Old Testament, they worship God as Yahweh. They worship Him as Jehovah. But in the New Testament, Jesus introduced God as the Abba Father. In the New Testament now, under grace, you can always to come to God and call Him Abba Father. And what does Abba Father mean? Abba Father is when we have that relationship with Jehovah Jireh. When we have that relationship to Yahweh. When we have that relationship to Jehovah Shalom. When we have that relationship to Jehovah Chedkino. When we have that relationship to Jehovah Makadeshkem. He becomes our Abba Father. But in the Old Testament, since they didn't have that relationship, what they have is following the law of Moses. They just knew God on His attributes. But Jesus, in the New Testament, under grace is telling us, no, He is our Abba Father. And that Abba Father, we can always come into the throne of grace, worship Him, because when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, that, that veil, that thick veil on the temple was torn from top to bottom. Meaning in the Old Testament, it's only the high priest who can come into the Holy of Holies. But now in the New Testament or under grace, you and me can come boldly into the throne of grace and worship our Abba Father. Why did God do that? Because God wants worship 
to be a response to the grace that he has poured upon each and every one of us. Amen? Are you getting something? What is worship? Is worship limited to singing? Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that's in the King James translation, that ye present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable form of worship. Verse 2, and be not transformed to the patterns of this world, but be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will know what is the good, the acceptable, and perfect will of God. So what is worship? Worship is offering our whole being. In the Old Testament, they offer sacrifices before God. But in the New Testament, because Jesus was the ultimate and final sacrifice, what God wants us is to offer our whole being and offer it to God. Offer our hands, offer our minds, offer our feet, offer everything. Offer your internal organs, offer your heart before God. Because that is a worship that is acceptable before God. So worship is a response to God's grace. You know, men were created. We are hardwired to worship. From time immemorial, God wants us to worship. And you know, if we don't worship God, we will worship somebody else. There are only two, two things that can happen. Worship God or worship the devil. Because if you don't worship God, you're worshiping the devil. You might even be worshiping your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You might be worshiping your career. You might be worshiping your children, your spouses. Anything that goes in between God and yourself is considered an idol. And the Bible says in the Old Testament, you shall have no other gods before me. God doesn't want anything between you and him. Why? Because God wanted to share his glory to you. God wanted to share his life to you. God wanted to have that intimacy, that fellowship to each and every one of us. That's why in Romans chapter 12 it says, I beseech you that you present your bodies, everything of you, Present it to God. That is our worship. That is our worship. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and say, Wake up. Okay? Dahil mukhang napakatahimik natin ngayong umaga. Okay? So we offer ourselves everything before God. You know, we become like the person that we worship. You know, if you worship 
devilish songs, what happens to you? What starts to come out of your mouth? Curses. I remember when I was college, high school college, I worship Kiss. You know what Kiss? The one with with blood on their mouths. I have that in my room and every time I wake up, I look at that. Wow. I like to be like that some, someday. I was worshiping the devil. We become like what we worship. That's why if we worship God, if we worship Jesus, as we move on, we will become like Christ. Amen? Amen. Worship is one's response to God's grace and it is a way of life. The Bible says in, I believe that was in Corinthians, that whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Whether you're standing up, you're sitting down. Whether you're working, you're playing. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. And that is our worship. Living a holy life, that is our worship. Why is that? Because when we live a holy life, people around us see that there is a God who can change lives. Amen? Worship. You know, as I mentioned earlier, I'd like to focus only on two acts of worship, which is giving and singing. There are actually five traditionally, but I believe there are more. The first type of or act of worship is preaching, praying, partaking of the Lord's Supper is our worship. That's why we always encourage all of us to partake of the Lord's Supper in our D groups because it is a form of worship. And then giving and singing. Why is giving a worship? The Bible says is where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And normally, bihira or you seldom see people who are really givers unless they have been changed by the Lord. By nature, we wanted to grab, to grab, this is mine. Right? By nature, we are selfish. By nature, we wanted to give if we can get something. That's why the Bible declares in the book of Malachi that we are to bring our tithes and our offerings into the storehouse. Tithes in the olden days is 10%. Tithes under grace is not 10%, but more than 10% because God asks for our heart. 
That's why under grace, we are not legalistic that, oh, I'm going to give 10%. No. God looks at the heart. And once we experience the grace of God, we don't give 10%. We give more than 10%. God looks at the heart. Even if you give 50% of your income and your heart is not there, God still doesn't honor what we gave Him. That's why it says in In Isaiah, that people draw to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips and have removed their, but however, have removed their hearts and are far from me. Even if we give, we give, we give, and our hearts are far from God, God still doesn't honor that. God, in our worship, God looks at the heart. When we give, God looks at the heart. Because the Bible says that God loves a what? A cheerful giver. A person who is happy in giving himself to God. God loves that person. So if we... I'd like to share with you Second Samuel 24, verse 24. But the king replied to Araunna. Okay, Araunna. No, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them. Just to give you a background, this was the time when David sinned before God. What he did was he conducted a census to find out how strong his army was. But God told him not to do it. But despite the fact that God prohibited him from doing that, he continued to, to do the census. And God was upset at, 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 at David. So David said to appease God, he wanted to offer an offering. He wanted to offer a peace offering before God. And David wanted to offer God okay, things, oxens, and things that are on the threshing floor of a certain Arauna. But when Arauna saw that it was the king asking for it, he said to the king, King, just take whatever you want. I'm okay with that. But David said, no. I don't want to offer to God something that will not cost me. Meaning, David wanted to give that sacrifice. When we give to God, it has to be something that will cost us. We don't give God the leftovers. We don't give God leftovers of our talents. We don't give God leftovers of our sweldo, of our income. But we have to give God the best. There is a principle in the Bible, first fruit principle, that in the olden days, before anything else, they would give God their offering. 
I've learned this principle long time ago. I'm, I'm a selfish person. But when God taught me giving, you know, there was a time that I gave God, you know, what, what's the first fruit? I landed into a job. And the first sweldo that I have, I said, Lord, this is going to be my first fruit. I gave it to God. It was a sacrifice. Let us not give God something that will not cost us anything. What are examples of our first fruit? Probably when you get your income. Normally what we do, we first calculate how much I'm going to pay, etc., so on and so forth. The principle of excellence or principle of first fruit is this one goes to God first. And then the rest goes to the things that I need to do or pay. That is first fruit. Give God something that will cost us. In short, give God your heart. Give God your heart. Give God your heart. That is the acceptable sacrifice. That is the acceptable worship that God wants from us. Amen? Look at that person next to you. Check if that person is still alive. Breathing. Okay. So let's move on. I mentioned earlier that it's not only giving that we worship God, but that is common to us is worship. No sound. Worship. Worship. When we worship, we give our best to God. We give our best to God. We surrender even our emotions to Him. You know, um, in Acts chapter 15, verse 16, it says here that after this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild, and I will restore, restore it. And in relation to that, in... Amos chapter 9, verse 11. It was prophesied long time before that in that day, I will restore David's fallen shelter. I will repair its broken walls and restore its ruins and will rebuild it as it used to be. I mentioned earlier, I walked you through of what David did in worshiping God. Solomon built the temple solely as a place of worship. But that temple was destroyed. And the prophet Amos, under the anointing of God, said that in the last days, in that day, I will rebuild David's fallen temple. What does that mean? Does it mean that God is going to let Israel build another temple and then every Sunday we will ride on a jet and go there and worship? No. In John chapter 10, when Jesus was uh, with, the, with, with the Samaritan woman, Jesus said that 
the Father is looking for people who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. So worship is not a matter of where you're doing it. You can worship wherever you are. What is important is that you worship God in spirit and in truth. And it says that in the last days or in that day, we are in the last days. God is going to rebuild that fallen temple of David. What is that fallen temple of David? That fallen temple of David is actually our worship to God. Because in the last days, the Bible says that He will pour His grace upon each and every one of us. The grace of God is all over the place. It says in the Bible that where sin abounds, grace abounds. Haven't you noticed? The world around us in, in chaos, but the grace of God is there. Because God wants in the last days that we will respond to that grace by worshiping Him. As I said earlier, worship is actually a response to who God is. God is our Savior. It is our response to Him. That's why we sing songs like earlier, I stand, I stand in all of you. Holy God, to whom all praise is due, I stand in awe of you. Last Thursday, driving to work, I was proclaiming who God is. I said, God, you're the creator. God, you created my life. God, you're awesome. You're wonderful. And all of a sudden, I was singing that song. And I can feel the presence of God in my car. And in the end, I sang, Majesty, worship His majesty. Unto Jesus, Honor and praise, majesty. I was in the presence of majesty. I was in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I was in the presence of Almighty God. I was in the presence of my King. That is worship. That is worship. That is worship. And I encourage each and every one of us find time to worship God. Even in the bathroom if you want. At work. While driving. You know, sometimes I want to be in the traffic because I spend a lot of time worshiping God. And worshiping God 
makes a difference in your lives. Worshiping God acknowledges His Lordship over our lives. Worship as a response to the grace that we have received from God. The more you acknowledge that you just can't do it apart from God, the more that you will love to worship God. And as you experience that grace from God, you know, you will really fall in love with Jesus more and more, more and more, more and more. And all you can see is the beauty of Jesus. You will not see your problems. Of course, you know, we have problems. Let's face it. Sino walang problema dito? I will pray for you that you will have problems. All of us got problems. But you know, when you begin to worship God, you don't see the bigness of your problem, but you see the bigness of God. You don't see your worry. You don't see the situation that you are into. But you see the grace of God abounding in your lives. And you can sing, you are beautiful beyond description, too marvelous for words. Can you say, you are beautiful God when you are in the midst of trials? Can you sing, you are beautiful Lord when you are sick and the doctor told you that you have until midnight today and you're gone can you sing you are beautiful Lord experience the grace of God let's grow in faith let's grow and we will worship God it is my prayer that you know after this lesson or after this preaching this morning, we will have a renewed determination to worship God so that next Sunday we will be here early to praise and worship God. So that next Sunday we have a testimony to say, I have worshipped God the whole week and it changed my life. You know, when I turned away from God, what brought me back to God is not a person who asked me or preached something to me. You know what that brought me back to God? I was listening from a bunch of CDs that I have in the car. And for whatever reason, I have a CD in my, in my player. Puro rock. Okay, I have ACDC there. I have Led Zeppelin. Okay. Minahalo dun. The Lord is my tower. Steve Cuban. I started to sing along. My heart was away from God. I, you know, I'm done. I'm not even praying. I'm not even reading the Bible. I just go to church mechanically. So I went along. And before I knew it, I was crying. Because those songs that I was following 
they were songs of worship. When you worship God, God is going to renew our lives. When you worship God, when you experience that worship to God, God is going to change you from the inside out. Guys, try it. Try it, I encourage you. If it don't work, stop it. But if it work, let me know and continue doing it. Worship God. That is very important. That's why in our worship service, singing worship song is very important. It doesn't matter whether we are singing Planet Shaker songs. It doesn't matter whether we are singing Don Moen. It doesn't matter whether we are singing uh, Elevation Church songs or Hillsong Church. It doesn't matter. For as long as our hearts are in tune with God. Whether you are singing an old 19 Kopong Kopong songs or you are singing the most modern songs, what is important is God looks at the heart. Amen? Amen. So I'd like to invite the worship team. I want us to start worshiping God. If you have not worshipped God before, the way that I was describing you, try it. And probably before we, 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 we sing worship songs, I'd like you to look at the, next, the person next to you and give four, four words that would describe who God is. Just four words. Like, He's my peace. He's my provider. He's my healer. He's the savior. He's my king. He's my Jehovah Rapha. He's my Jehovah Shalom. He's my Jehovah Chetkeno. He is my Abba Father. He's my Father. And as we come into the throne room of grace, we can come boldly and put in our issues or problems in life. And our Abba Father is going to meet you there. Let's all rise up as we worship.
Until I see you face to face Grace amazing takes me home I'll trust in you I will live to love you I will live to bring you to cause the universe to be
Father, I pray that you will give each and every one of us a heart to worship. A heart that will always be in tune with you. A heart that will worship you in every aspect of our lives. Not only in church, not only in singing, but Lord, I pray that you would enable us even to give with a cheerful heart. Enables us, Lord God, to always listen to your word and to your promises. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 